Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So what you want to do is you don't want to keep your eyes on men. You want to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ because we're going to fail you. Now, it's not our goal, but we're going to slip on that same ice sometime that you do. But that's not an excuse because often we look at humans. And what happened here is Satan, I'm sure, when he saw the children of Israel go, the king's dead, the Philistines are here, and they left and abandoned their town. Satan went right on. When you hear an unbeliever wonder about why God would allow bad things to happen in the world, do you have an answer for them? Wars, sickness, hatred, death, none of it was ever God's plan. Man's disobedience set us on a path of self-destruction that we could never get away from except by God's grace. Scripture provides countless examples of people turning from the Lord even in the midst of great blessing. As Pastor Mark will show us today, God gave Saul many chances to repent and return to him. But Saul gave in to his flesh. Our flesh will always fail us, but we can be made eternally perfect through God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 15 with today's study. Nobody has their toys out there. These are from real animals. Do you remember what it was? You were to kill them. How many? Oh. It's all answered. Here we go. You might just want to put in there, it's not my fault. <laughs> the soldiers brought them from the Malachites. They, they, not me, they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Interesting words. But we totally destroyed the rest. Notice he leaves that little statement that we totally destroyed the rest. So King Saul does what normally we do. We can't look at Saul and go, shame on you, because when we're caught, sometimes the first thing I want to do is two things. I want to make an excuse. It wasn't me. You don't understand. Second, I got to find somebody to take the blame. And we do that. Then he tried to justify his sins. This is even worse. So he makes an excuse. Then he tries to blame somebody else. And then he tries to justify his sins by saying, well, God's going to love this sacrifice because these are good animals. Saul's partial obedience, listen, was full disobedience to God. You don't obey partially. We have to obey fully. Stop, said Samuel to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes. In other words, he started right. He was humble. Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Here's where you can see that Saul's heart is not only deceived, but hardened. But I did obey the Lord. Saul said, 
I went on a mission the Lord assigned me to. I, am, I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag the king. What is that? That's a simply a lie again. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle for the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to blame, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. He doesn't get it. I mean, he's being challenged by the prophet of God. He's still making excuses. When God points something out to you, and I go, oh, oh, it's my wife, or it's a kid, it's a boss at work, it's a person over there, was it? No, it's me. There's no way to get healed. If I walk into the doctor's office with this foot that's swollen out that big, and I say, what's wrong with you? Well, nothing's wrong. He's not going to set it. I have to say to him, man, I broke my ankle. I need help. Okay, let's set it. Very first thing you want to do is when you examine your heart and the Satan points condemnation to you, you don't want to receive any of that. But if God says, hmm, you want to go, really? Really? You want to ask forgiveness. You want to admit the need. You can't be healed until you admit the need. Saul, there's no hope. It's always excuses. He's lying again. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in the obeying of the voice of the Lord? By the way, this is in the Old Testament, but this stands all the way to the New Testament. This next line, if you don't have it on your Bible, you should, because this is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Starts in the book of Genesis. And we'll go to end time. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Full obedience is a key in a believer's life. God is not interested in dead religion. He's not interested in, well, God, I didn't really obey you, but I gave double my tithes this week. It's not exciting. He isn't interested. Well, I did this. I did that for you. He's not interested. What he's interested in is what? Full obedience. Well, what do we obey? Right here's what you obey. The word of God. Full obedience to it. You don't make excuses to it. You don't say, well, we live in a different age now. That doesn't apply. Yes, it does. Saul disobeyed the word of the Lord with his own ideas of what was right or wrong. Remember in John 15, 14, it says, if you, you are my friends, if you do what I command. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will do what I command. God requires total obedience in our life. Look at verse 23. Interesting verse. We'll see a little later. Saul didn't get this either. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Because of Saul's rebellion, disobedience, God rejects him. How sad to see that picture. Now, as we finish this chapter tonight, very interesting. Saul would remain king for about 25 years. Now, when you look at that, that's strange to me because what God was doing was raising up the next king, David. He's doing two things. During those 25 years, to me, it looks excessive. I mean, 25 years with this kind of a king? But 25 years is nothing to God. See, when we get out of this time frame, we'll understand that. This is another thing you have to understand. Not only is God's timing not our timing, but God's justice and his punishment for sin is often delayed. I don't like that. Well, you should like it. Now, see, what some people say, I got away with it. You never get away with it. 
I don't know why God waited. But it's dangerous to think you can get away with it. You can't. The third one I want to mention just quickly tonight is this. Saul consults with Satan rather than God. The day before, and we don't have time to go to it tonight, but if you want to have some study this week, I'd encourage you to do it. First Samuel 28. You can just read it over. It's a very interesting story. On the day before Saul dies, he can't, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 28, he is living independent from God. He's just doing his thing. He's found a way to live his life without consulting God. Now you remember, the man who used to have a connection to God was Samuel. Samuel's now dead. Saul is trying to find a way to get connected to God, but he can't. It says in chapter 28, when you get there, that he tries to get a hold of God and he can't get God to speak to him. Well, that shouldn't surprise us. So because he can't get God to speak to him, he comes up with this bizarre idea. Maybe he can still speak with Samuel if he can find a medium to try to conjure up Samuel from the dead. And Saul then instructs his servants to go find a woman who's a medium. You'll see in chapter 28, they find her. She's living at Endor. Now God had already in his word, back in Leviticus, forbidden contact with any medium or spiritualist. But here's Saul, he calls the psychic hotline. The king of Israel. He wants information. Now, Again, I don't have time to go through that, and there's lots of different ideas of what really took place, but many people believe this, and nobody really knows for sure. Many people believe that during this seance, God just interrupted the seance and sovereignly brought Samuel to speak, because Samuel was in heaven, brought Samuel, or paradise, and brought him to speak to Saul. Well, when he comes, King Saul hears a prediction that he wished he hadn't heard. The prediction is, tomorrow... You will die, and your three sons. That was the ending. It's a tragic picture. Now, where do we see this? Well, you think that's a dark day. The next day is the worst. Let's head over now to where we started tonight. First Chronicles 10. It won't take us long, and it'll give you a wonderful picture. Israel is fighting the everlasting Philistines. They're like the ever-ready or whatever it is, the bunny. They're always going. The Philistines. Sammy the prophet had said that the Philistines would easily defeat Israel on the Jezreel plains. Samuel, as he came to King Saul, said that he and his sons would die that day. Well, let's see what happens. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malki, Shula, Shua. And the fighting grew fierce around Saul. And when the archers overtook him, they wounded him. You see, when Saul isn't living the life as a father should, you see some interesting things take place. His three sons are now going to die. Mostly because of Saul's disobedience. And that's why I try to challenge 
you as parents, even when we raise our children, sometimes you forget the tremendous influence you have on them, especially at a younger age, to set an example before them. You need to be praying with your kids. They need to see you here in this body on a consistent basis. You see, when we talk to our kids now who are gone and married, when we call them every week, I still check on them. I say, how, how was service this week? How's your home group? What's happening? I'm joining this new home group that's going to be forming in our area. Service on Tuesday night was great. People are coming to the Lord. So she's getting a small group. So I check up on them. You say, well, it's none of your business. Sure is. That's the way we raised them, to serve God, to be in a church, to use their talents, to be there on a regular basis. not legalistic. Here we see Saul's sons killed. Why? Bad example. Thanks for being faithful. You're doing good. You're doing great. Now, verse 4. Saul said to his armor bearer, he's wounded, draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified. Well, you can imagine that. I'm going to kill the king. Would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. Saul was well aware of the reputation of the Philistines. They would really torture their enemies. He's going, no way. I'm just going to kill myself. Now, let's stop and talk for a moment. This might cause you some uh, thought this week. Is suicide the unpardonable sin? Well, the Bible's really silent. Here we have the only statement that we know that Saul took his own life. I'll just give you my idea. You can decide it for yourself. From my medical background, I would have to say that when a person takes his or own her life, I really don't believe they're in their right mind. I believe they passed that place where for some, whatever circumstances of life, whatever's, they've gone over the edge. And they're just not thinking clearly. I personally don't believe that suicide is an unpardonable sin. Is it a sin? Yes. Taking your own life. Is it unpardonable? Bible's silent. I go to God's grace and His mercy. So when I have to do a funeral with a suicide, I usually don't even address it publicly. Because, see, I'm not addressing the person that died. I'm addressing the living. So I just say to the living folks, be right with God. May the peace of God rule in your heart. Only God knows. I'm not God. But I do not leave the family, as some would say, well, that your loved one is not gone to be with the Lord. I don't believe you can say that. So I don't try to torture them with that kind of statement. I can't give them false hope. I can't condemn them. I just believe that that isn't personally the unpardonable sin. Now, people are going to debate that forever. Whenever I see one of these questions, and there's lots of people a lot smarter than I am, I always want to err on one part, the side of grace. That's who God is. So when a person takes their own life, most of the time that I've seen, they just aren't thinking right. Something's cracked. Something snapped. And they've headed over the line. Saul does this. He commits suicide. Now when the armor bearer in verse 5 saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword. And he died. So Saul and his three sons died, 
and all the house, all his house died together. What had Samuel said the day before? It's true. It was true. When all the Israelites in the valley saw that the army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. It's a great lesson for a leader. If you're a leader, if you're an elder here tonight, if you're a leader in your home, when people fail, when a leader falls and the people are filled with panic, they usually scatter. So what you want to do is you don't want to keep your eyes on men. You want to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ because we're going to fail you. Now, it's not our goal, but we're going to slip on that same ice sometime that you do. But that's not an excuse because often we look at humans. And what happened here is Satan, I'm sure, when he saw the children of Israel go, the king's dead, the Philistines are here, and they left and abandoned their town. Satan went right on. It was a victory for him rather than for God. You pray for the leaders in this church and the pastors. We need to have the mind of Christ. We don't want to be prideful. We don't want to go like we see Saul here. We don't want to see the people scatter. Man, have I seen that in churches over the years when a pastor's fallen. Sheep just run every direction. If anything should ever happen to me, and it's not going to, but if it does, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You don't have your eyes on me. I'm just a man. Verse 8, the next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and their sons fallen on Mount Yeboah. And they stripped him and took his head and armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news among their idols and their people. They put his armor in the temple of their gods and hung up his head in the temple of Dagon. Here are the Philistines. They're gloating in their victory. The God of the Israelites, the one that was touted, Huh, couldn't save Saul. It's no big deal. It's over with. So they spread the news throughout all the nations. Our idols have won. And the name of God was trashed. That always happens. We don't want the name of God to be trashed. How do you not do it? Be honorable yourself. Be someone who has incredible integrity in your life. Verse 11, when all the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead, by the way, that's one town that Saul freed early on in his ministry as king, heard of everything the Philistines had done to Saul. All their valiant men went and took the bodies of Saul and his sons and brought them to Jabesh. There they buried their bones under the great tree in Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. So what do we have here? Kind of have cremation. Well, here's another question. In the old days, it was much more of a question than it is today. Tremendous percentage of people now cremate. Well, some of you may have been raised to believe that cremation is a sin. Well, again, the Bible's fairly silent. We have a picture of it here. From my medical background, again, all cremation does is speed up what's normally going to happen in the old grave anyway. Just speeds it up. Doesn't matter. You say, well, how can God put the body together? Give me a break. <laughs> How could God put the body together for somebody's bones have been in the grave forever? I don't understand that. You have to realize all through history, people have been cremated. In war, they're cremated all the time. Ships blown up, planes go down. You think they're not cremated? They're all cremated. So it's not a sin. It's entirely up to you. Me, I'm going to be cremated. Saving my wife. She's going to spread them 
ashes on them flowers back there and say, goodbye, Balmer, whatever. She's going to have a good time. I hope they grow. Verse 13. Saul died because of what? He was unfaithful to the Lord. Number two, he did not keep the word of the Lord. And number three, he consulted a medium for guidance and did not acquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse, which then we'll study the rest of Chronicles. But listen, 40 years earlier, Saul had been a young man, marvelous physical specimen, head and shoulders above everybody, great military career, Holy Spirit upon him. What happened? How did we go from a great start to an incredibly poor finish? Let me give you four keys, then we're done. He was impatient, wanting to live life in his own timing. You need to learn to walk with God, not ahead or behind. You see, you can only live life two ways, independent or dependent. He wanted to live independent. Don't do that. He wanted to just do his own thing. Don't walk ahead or behind God. You walk with God. Keep in step of the Spirit. Number two, he was partially obedient. He wanted to do it his way. We need to learn to be fully obedient. How interesting that when we were a sinner, Satan would say jump, we'd say how high. Now when God says jump, we go, "Ah, is there another plan? No, if he says jump, jump. Obey. Number three, Saul wanted to live on his external abilities, his talents. He had plenty of those. It's a very big danger. We need to learn to live in God's power, not our own. Remember, without me, you're nothing. Saul found that out. And last, instead of seeking God, he went to a medium. We need to learn to seek God's wisdom in everyday life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And here's a fifth one. This is a bonus one for you tonight. Learn it's not how fast you start, but it's how well you finish. Lots of people have started well, but they're not finishing. Guys, to finish, you got to be faithful, and you're doing the right thing. You're here. You're studying God's Word. Life with God is a walk. It's not a 100-yard dash. It's forever. What I want to give you, take the life of Saul and contrast it with the life of Jabez. See how many things you can come up yourself. The differences that you see. It's very enlightening. You'll see them immediately as you begin contrasting those four simple prayer, four statements that Jabez prayed. Contrast them with the life of Saul. And you'll learn plenty in your own life. In today's message covering the last days of Saul's life and reign as king, Pastor Mark highlighted several choices Saul made that led to his downfall and death. First, he was unfaithful to God, choosing to put himself first. Second, Saul didn't keep the Lord's commands, ignoring the word as the example for his life. 
Third, he consulted mediums to gain access to Samuel, thinking that this was the only way to God. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark takes us through the book of First Chronicles chapters 11 and 12 when we'll see David's progression from shepherd boy to king of Israel. As opposed to Saul, David's heart for God doesn't waver, even though he makes many mistakes. A lot of time will pass between the moments he's appointed to be king to the time he actually takes the throne. But David won't waste that time. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.